I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know if they were going to hurt me or what. How are you guys? Do you believe the Lord, he's already been moving, but do you believe he wants to move beyond what we could imagine tonight? He does. There are many things on his heart, and um, I feel a sobriety about the call, and I didn't necessarily plan to share this unless the Lord uh, released me to, but I was up from around 2.50 to about 5.40, fighting over our time right now. He wants to come. And uh, really all he needs is yielded hearts. He's holy and he wants to draw near and for him too, he needs a holy people and he doesn't condemn us in the midst of our struggle, but he does convict us that we come running towards him saying, Lord, I want everything that you have and I want everything of me to be pushed aside. I love that your pastor got up and said, you know, the Holy Spirit will just attach to a song and the song we were singing is Let There Be Light and I believe that's the cry in God's heart for this body, for this gathering, for light to come and the light is beautiful. The lie that the light is scary is gonna be dissipated tonight. The, there is light that he is declaring over the chaos tonight. And I just wanna, I, I, as the enemy comes in and, and if, if he does come in and you start to feel agitated at, um, it's okay if you're agitated at me, although that's not my favorite thing, but you just feel agitated and you don't really know why, just say, get behind me, Satan, because he wants to speak tonight. So Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that no hindrance of the enemy no hindrance of our own flesh, our own filters, our own ways of looking at things would be in the way. God, I pray that your heart would be revealed tonight. God, do it either through me or in spite of me, but I pray that you would do it, God. I have felt your heart throughout the night for this people, and I pray, God, that your heart would be communicated and that there would be a courageous response to your invitation, in the name of Jesus, amen. So last night I brought a message that was based on a passage of scripture in Psalm 45 verse one that says my heart is stirred by a noble theme as I recite my verses to the king and I talked about the sound that comes from our lives but I also talked about the fact that it's a wedding psalm. And the heavenly wedding that we are preparing for needs to be on our minds, I would present probably more than it is. Some years ago, I woke up, I was kind of in that twilight spot in between sleep and awake, you know that revelatory time, it kind of happens when you're falling asleep and then when you're waking up, you know when you're falling asleep, you remember that thing you were supposed to do before you went to bed, like it's always in that period of time, do you guys know what I'm talking about? The Lord likes to speak in that time, and I was waking up. I don't even know if it was a dream or a picture. I was kind of in that twilight spot. But I saw a groom standing at the front of a church, looking at his watch, looking out the window, clearly wondering if his bride was going to come, and uh, kind of getting more and more anxious and 
pacing back and forth and looking at the back aisle, uh, looking at the back of the church at at the front or or the aisle that separated him and where his bride was (coughs) going to enter. And I woke up from that image and I said, Lord, what? And, And even as I was asking the Lord about it, I was picturing that movie, Runaway Bride, you know, where she's, the bridegroom's waiting and she's riding off on some horse somewhere because she got cold feet again and I just said, Lord, what are you saying? My heart was beating. I knew he was speaking something. And he said, Terry, this is what I'm saying. That will not be me. I'm not going to be pacing, wondering if my bride will come. I will have a bride who is wholehearted in her love and her desire for me. And I'm telling you whether you're in that state or not. And guys, you might say, oh, the woman preacher talking about the bride of Christ. Come on, you guys talk about sons of God. I can talk about the bride of Christ. Right, But there will, there will be a wedding, and he will have a bride whose garment is clean. It's not that we walk out in perfection. It's that every time that there is a stain or a blemish, we bring it to him and say, God, I love the light, and I'm asking you to wash me clean. And I just want to say and echo and resound the sound that this service was started with, let there be be light is there is there someone here i'm gonna take a risk here (laughs) but i've been feeling it really since last night but strongly since i came in is there someone named aaron a a male named aaron that's here nope no one no one on the on the platform all right so we'll just i'll just lord you just show me All right, Jeremiah 17, verses 7 and 8. This passage is actually going to just serve as a springboard for the rest of the message. And then I'll give you kind of the text for the message. But this is a, a verse that's been very dear to me over the last few years. And last night I talked to you about the preparation of the bridegroom. Uh, the preparation of the bride for her bridegroom. And this is our destiny, Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water. Come on, this is our destiny. A tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream. It will not fear. These will not fear when the heat comes. Come on, this is what, how we were made to walk out, even difficulty, but its leaves will be evergreen. It will not be anxious, this tree that were to parallel. It will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor cease to yield fruit. I'm going to talk to you tonight about the topic, fruit that remains. In John 15, verse 3, Jesus said, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. John 15, 14 through 17, and this will be where we get our points from tonight. You are my friends if you do what I command. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me. But I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and fruit that remains. Thank you. 
so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. This I command you, that you love one another. He wants us to bear fruit and to bear much fruit and fruit that remains. And he says, this is the way for us to glorify the Father, that we bear fruit, that we don't just profess this thing, but we possess it. Right, That our roots go deep. the, The fruit comes as a result of our root. He is looking for a people that want to bear fruit that outlasts outward appearance. Now, as a woman in my later 40s, yes, Lord. Fruit that outlasts trials and suffering. Fruit that even outlasts the grave. And it's what we're called to. You will bear fruit according to scripture in one way or another. In Matthew 17, verses 17 and 18, it says, So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. In other words, we can't fake it till we make it. We can't have an image of a certain kind of fruit as it relates to heaven's economy. In Matthew 12, it says either make the, tr- the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. And we know that the fruit is a direct result of the health of the roots. And we're bearing one, we're either bearing good fruit or bad fruit, and in some contexts maybe we're bearing bad fruit and in others good fruit. But we're going to bear some kind of fruit. Like, what marks our lives more? I just have a little list that I wrote out. Would you say that healthy relationships mark your life more or unhealthy relationships full of drama? Would you say that financial discipline marks your life or financial struggle and irresponsibility? Is there a chaos about your life or a peace about your life? Are you slow to speak or are you quick to share your opinion? Jesus, help us. Is there more of a confidence that marks your life or more of an insecurity? Are you more accepting of people or more suspicious of people? Is there more of a generosity that marks your life or are you more of a walled city? Are you more likely to be found giving or are you more likely to be offended at what you did not receive? See, from the roots comes the fruit, and we want to bear fruit and good fruit that remains, right? Because we all want to glorify the Father. It's why you're here. I was thinking about Pastors Paul and Wendy today, and just, you know, I I tried yesterday to get them to complain about how hard. I, I was part of when we went into the new building at the refuge. I know the labor. I know the hardship. And they wouldn't do it. <laughs> they wouldn't complain. Because they are people, as I was thinking about them today, you've given your lives away. You've just said, it. you know what? It belongs to him. And that's, that's why the way you guys serve them, I told them last night, your people love you. I love the way they serve you guys. And it is a beautiful thing. You have pastors that are not given to religiosity or performance, and that is a rare gift. 
But I'm telling you, there is a desire in the heart of God to break in. I don't know if I have felt it this way in a very long time, if ever. I can feel the desire, that pounding, the firmament, the pounding of heaven, wanting to break in at this place. But there are hindrances. I don't say that in judgment. I, I say that because I feel the mercy and the glory of God begging to come. It's not based on our strivings. It's not based on our performance. But he is a holy God. And he wants to draw near. And he doesn't say, no, 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 you're not good enough. What he does is he whispers in our ear the invitation to lay that thing down. To throw it off. And to say, Lord, I will be that bride that you're not pacing and looking for at the front of an altar. But I will be that bride that comes running because it's what he will have. And it is certainly what he deserves. So how can we bear fruit that remains? There's four things the Lord told me to share with you tonight, and I really believe he did. I, I say that with fear and trembling, the Lord told me, because I think we blame the Lord for saying a lot of things he never said, right? But I really believe these things are on his heart. The first thing, based on that John 15 passage, we need to break the slave mentality. We need to break the slave mentality. The John 15 passage that I just read to you uh, I'm going to read now out of the New Living Translation, verse 15. He says, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father has told me. I want you to hear me. There's nothing inherently wrong with the description slave or servant. The Greek word there is doulos, D-O-U-L-O-S, and it means bond slave. It's used in the highest dignity in the New Testament. It, is, it means believers who willingly surrender ownership rights and willingly live under Christ's authority. Being a bondservant is a beautiful thing, but it was never meant. That role, that identity as a believer, God never intended for it to be the end of our identity. It, God intended it for it to be the starting place. Because he calls us to greater intimacy, which I think intimate encounter was the word that was shared last night that the Lord gave while in, in prayer. He calls us to greater intimacy. It becomes, more, uh, it becomes less about just following him, and it becomes more about fellowship with him. We begin to desire to know his plans and purposes. It's not that we're afraid not to know them, where we're somehow enslaved, but it's a desire to know it. We begin to pursue his heart and mind. And it's in this place that we begin to, to, to gain greater insight into the word of God. When we gr gain greater insight and hear his voice more clearly, we become more concerned with carrying out his purposes, not according to the best of our estimations, but as it is in heaven. We think about how we behave, what our homes look like, what our behaviors look like as it compares with the atmosphere of heaven. And the reason why we begin to meditate this way is because we're doing it out of friendship. The only reason why Abraham could give the greatest gift back over to God, the thing he waited for a large portion of his life for, his son Isaac, the reason he could do it is because he had become God's friend. 
Leslie Newbegin said, obedience is the test of love, and love is the content of obedience. Let me read that again. Obedience is the test of love, and love is the content of obedience. John Piper said, abiding in the vine does not make you a true disciple. It proves that you are. Abiding in the vine does not make you a true disciple. It proves that you are one. So we need to shed that slave mentality saying, yes, I'm your bond servant. Wherever you say to go, I will go. I willingly surrender all of my rights. Oh, but God, I know your desire is that it would be out of friendship. How many of you know that it is only out of that passionate love for him that will stand through the trials of complexity and perplexity as life circumstances happen? It's only out of friendship that will endure and for us to bear fruit that remains. We have to cultivate the friendship, our friendship with God. Number two, for us to bear fruit that remains, and again, this is based on the passage we just read in John 15, we need to respond to his choosing. I'll explain what I mean. We need to respond to his choosing. You know, we read those verses that, where he said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Well, it makes me think of a parable in Matthew 13. I'll talk about it in just a moment, but let me read a couple of scriptures uh, that kind of support this point. We need to respond to his choosing. Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I separated you for myself. I have appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. Matthew 13, oh, the parable's in Matthew 22, excuse me. Matthew 13, 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his, in his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. We respond to his choosing. Do you know that God buried a treasure inside of you in the midst of all the dirt and junk and then he bought the whole thing? Not just the treasure of what's planted inside of you, but all the dirt, all the junk. He chose you, but you have to respond to his choosing. One of the most beautiful displays of this, in my opinion, is in Matthew chapter 22. And it talks about the king's wedding banquet for his son. So it was time for the banquet, the wedding banquet for his son. We, already, we instantly connect with the parable there. We know that... Our Father God is preparing even now for the wedding between the bride of Christ and his beloved son. And this parable represents this. But in the story that Jesus is telling, he sends out invitations for people to come to the wedding. Well, people don't, the, the, the in, those who are invited don't respond to the wedding. So he sends his servants out again and says, you know, get their RSVPs, find out what's going on and... It didn't go so well. Some of the servants that went back out to follow up on the invitations were actually beaten and abused by those that were supposed to be at the wedding. So then the king says to his servants, you go out again and you invite whoever will come. Now we know that there's a significance between this and God's plan for Israel, the redemptive plan for Israel and his heart, this nation of his heart and their rejection of the gospel. But there is even, uh, there is an extended meaning or meaning for you and I. When the, when the 
father of the bridegroom is walking through the banquet, he finds a man not wearing the wedding clothes. So he orders his servants to throw this servant out into the darkness, and he says, many are called, but few are chosen. Can I tell you that this became a mystery for me for years? I didn't understand it. I'm like, I don't get this parable. The father sent the servants back out and said, whosoever come, let them come. So how would they be prepared? How would they be dressed for a wedding? Why is this man being thrown in utter darkness based on his garments? And then you say, few are, many are called, but few are chosen. What does this even mean? Many years ago, the Lord said, the mysteries of Scripture, if you'll begin to ask me about them, I'll bring you into deeper depths. So this, one, this is where I started. I said, okay, the parable of the wedding. And so I prayed over it. I labored over it, and the Lord uh, re- led me. I really believe it was him to begin to study wedding, wedding culture of that day. And it, there's actually practices of that day that we have carried into our culture. And this is what the practice of a Jewish wedding was. The garments were provided for the guests. We carry that same tradition out with our wedding parties, the bride and groom, right? Determine what the wedding party's going to wear because there's a certain expression that they're, they're wanting to put on display at that wedding. And that's where we get that tradition from. But every guest would wear a certain garment. So it means when this man entered the wedding, he refused to wear the garment appropriate for the wedding. He was cast into utter darkness, and the Lord said, many are called, but few are chosen. So what makes us chosen? When we say yes to the garment that he's given us to wear that's white and clean, it's not based on our preferences, it's not based on our own expression, it's based on what the bridegroom wants us to wear, and we say, yes, sir, I do it out of love, I do it out of friendship, and I do it because I want to express your kingdom in a way that you are worthy of. So we have to respond to his choosing. Some of you have taken garments, callings, things that he uh, set you apart for, and you've thrown that thing off either because of disappointment or failures that you've made along the way. And he's saying, guess what? You don't get to do that. I gave you the garment. If it's dirty, let's get it clean, but put it on. The world is needing a people that say, I wear this with joy because I'm in love with him. We can't just be near the wedding, say, no, I think I'm good. I made it into the wedding hall. No, no, we have to wear the garment that he's given us to wear. You want to bear fruit? Remember, you didn't choose him, he chose you. And you wear what he told you to wear. We don't have rights. Death to self, life in him. We need to respond to his choosing. Second Chronicles 16, 9 says, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. It is the heart that he looks for, and his, his eyes are scanning the room tonight. Looking for hearts that are perfect? No. Looking for hearts that are fully committed. How do I know they're not perfect, even though some translations say perfectly set? The word there means fully committed. You know how I know that he's, he, he accepts hearts that aren't perfect? Because his purpose in finding a heart that's fully committed is to strengthen that heart. So if it was perfect, it wouldn't be in need of strength. Maybe you're in a place of weakness in your journey. Understand that if your heart is fully committed, even if you don't even know how to fully get there, he will strengthen you.
Let me ask you, do you believe this is for everyone in the room but you, or do you believe this is for you? You've been chosen. You've been set apart for this time, for this hour. You were made to bear fruit, and it's not for everyone but you, it's for you. You can bear fruit. A surrendered life will always bear fruit. Number three, to bear fruit that remains, we must move from the periphery. It's a pretty word, periphery. Like it's where we get peripheral vision. Those things on the edge. We've got to move from the periphery into the center. Acts 20. Story of Eutychus, starting in verse 7. It says, on the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people because he intended to leave the next day. Because he was leaving the next day, he kept talking until midnight. I'm leaving tonight. What do you think that means? There were many lamps in the upstairs room where we, were, where, we, where we were meeting. Seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. Oh, may this not be your commentary of me tonight. <laughs> when he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. Paul went down, threw himself on the young man, and put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. Then he went upstairs again and broke bread and ate. After talking until daylight, he left. I think this is one of the most relevant passages in Scripture for our day. Eutychus was near the light, but he wasn't in the light. He was in the periphery. Right, as, as Paul was speaking into the night, he was speaking by candlelight. And Eutychus, we know because he fell, he fell three stories. He was sitting in the window. And I believe that there are people tonight, he wants, to, he wants to call you to the center because you're asleep in the light. When we're in the periphery, right, elevated, we're in God's house, we're near his principles, we hear his truth being sounded week in and week out, but we're asleep because we're in the periphery. Right? It's easier to sleep when you're in the periphery. He fell out of the window and he fell as dead. The Lord spoke to me about this many years ago when I was ministering in Australia. There was something that happened in one of the meetings, and it was one of the greatest warfare times I had ever experienced. It was, it was bad. The first meeting I'm in this vineyard church, for those of you that are familiar with vineyard, I, I'm not exactly vineyard style. I'll just leave that there. But the first night, while uh, one of the people I was traveling with was giving her testimony, there was a, this demonic manifestation in the room. I mean like screeching, crazy stuff. Well, the, the room started to go crazy. It's like the worst thing they can do, right? And the lady, given her testimony, was it, like, it was taking a form of itself, and there was like this chaos. I'm not exaggerating. It was crazy. And she looks at me. It's like, what do I do? I'm like, I don't know. She's like, come up here. So I'm just like, oh, Jesus, take the wheel, even though that song, <laughs> that song wasn't out yet. My, my version is Jesus take the wheel and put me in the trunk. <laughs> That's what I told my little girl when she turned 13. Jesus take the wheel, put me in the trunk. 
I didn't know what I was doing, but I felt like the Lord led me. I, I took the microphone, tried to bring order and, and take authority, and I was just trying to bring peace to the room. But a lot of the leadership decided, we don't think we want her to speak tomorrow. <laughs> like, this isn't what we're after, right? And I was a little, I mean, I flew a long way, right? In my first, like, out of country, I had been on missions trips, but like a preaching conference type trip to Australia, and they're not so sure they want me speaking at the conference. That's bad to go home and give that story. How was it? Well, I... <laughs> A demon manifested, I tried to bring peace, and they kicked me out. Like, that's really what it felt like it was happening. And so the pastor called me to his house, and this is the worst. Please don't do this. <laughs> he calls me to his house, and I'm at his table, and he's trying to nicely tell me, yeah, this isn't, this isn't working. Well, while he's talking to me, the doorbell rings. I'm not making this up. There are about four bouquets of flowers sitting on the porch with cards to me and women talking about the freedom that came to them. And he literally was like, well, all right, we'll give it a go in his Australian accent. So I'm like, oh, great, you know, trying to start out all nice. And I don't know how to be vineyard. I'm singing, isn't he? Not anyway, <laughs> if you don't know, but it, it kind of a... <laughs> Oh, I want to explain, but I don't want to derail us. So the last night, and it, it was one of those things I had to press through. I wasn't sleeping really well while I was there, as you could imagine. You know, people think if you're strong and you try to walk under the calling of God, that the things people say to you don't affect you. I used to tell people I travel with, wait for it. I'll get the backhanded compliment. Just wait. Yeah, they're like, yeah, right. I'm like, no, no, wait, it'll come. People just felt like it was their personal responsibility to keep me humble. I'm like, oh, if you only knew, right? So I'm wrestling through. Like the pastor was firing me from the conference in Australia, and the Lord had to send women to put flowers like people do at a grave, right? Like, <laughs> I'm going to pull this into Eutychus. Just, just stick with me. So the last night we were there, the Lord gave me this word, and I, I don't even remember feeling the Lord preaching. I definitely hadn't up till then. I haven't heard it, felt it many times since. The Lord was there, and because it was the last night, they said everyone that wants prayer, just step into the aisles. It was this packed, kind of smaller room for the number of people that were there, and I was walking along the, the edge of the room praying for people, and the Lord was doing stuff, but when I got to the middle aisle and started walking up the middle aisle, and this has nothing to do with me, please understand this. It, I know you know it has nothing to do with me, but I want you to know I don't think it has anything to do with me as well. I start praying, and the way the, the Spirit started to break out in that middle aisle, I, I, like it, it was other than. Things, things that the mysteries the Lord was giving me to speak and the team that I was with, the intercessors, the things that were happening, the, the overwhelming presence of God, people just falling on their faces. Without, it's like they didn't even have a decision. It was this glorious, amazing thing that happened. And I was like, Lord, I, I don't know what all that's about. Well, on that Sunday morning, we just went to church after this revival had happened and the pastor who had fired me earlier, but then rehired me. He didn't want to pay the unemployment. Anyway, bad joke. But um, he started preaching about this. He started preaching on this passage of scripture. 
And he said, I watched something happen last night, and I didn't put this together. He said, I watched something happen last night, and he began to describe what I just described to you is when our team moved along the edge of the room. Things were happening, but, but when we got to that center aisle, the Spirit of God was breaking out, and he said, the Lord's calling you to the center of the room. I want you to hear me tonight. Some of you are sitting in the periphery. You're near the light, but you're afraid to come fully in. And I'm telling you the encounter of God that we need, that we need to endure, that we need to be in love, passionately in love, like to be near him, to know him is to love him, to experience his way, to be captivated by his beauty is the only way that we're going to really be sold out and wholehearted. And he's calling us to the center of the room. So this passage became very precious to me. And I would think about it every time I was preaching in a meeting. Like, Lord, show me how to call people to the center of the room. But I went through a time that I was seeing people that I was close to, their kids kind of falling off the wagon, like Eutychus out of that window, being asleep in the light. And when I was asking the Lord about it one night, he brought me to Jeremiah Chapter 9, think about Eutychus sitting in that window, sitting near the light, but not in the light. Jeremiah 9, 20 and 21, now, O women, hear the word of the Lord. Open your ears to the words of his mouth. Teach your daughters to wail. Teach one another a lament. Death has climbed in through our windows and has entered our fortresses. It has cut off the children from the streets and the young men from the public squares. And I could feel that thing beating in my heart. God, what's the window? What's the window that death is climbing in through? And the Lord gave me this image. You can go ahead and put that up. He told me that's the window. There is death that is creeping in. We are in the information age and accessibility to things that hook us by the seduction of the enemy. I'm telling you tonight, and some of you are wishing so bad you weren't here tonight because you don't know what it can be like to really be free. Death is climbing in through the windows and it is, maybe some of you, you've already fallen out of the window and it's that moment where Paul comes and brings Eutychus back to life. Tonight's the night. You want to bear fruit that remains? Get out of the periphery. Get to the center of the room. The last one. We need to silence the causeless curse. We need to silence the causeless curse. I'll tell you, well, I'm just going to share a story with you about this, this, uh, this idea. Before I, before I do, I'm going to read to you the passage of Scripture. It comes out of Proverbs 26, verse 2. It says, like a sparrow in its flitting, like a swallow in its flying, a curse that is causeless does not alight. I had never paid attention to this verse. It really didn't mean anything to me, even as I read it to you now, you might say, well, that sounds like this poetic thing, but what does it mean? That would have been my same response to this passage. There was one night that I was talking to my friend Dawn, powerful minister of the gospel. I talked about her last night. She's a prophet 
it just amazing, amazing woman of God and so thankful that she's in my life. We traveled together doing conferences for many years and uh, she now still is a part of the refuge and ministers prophetically there. And I was on the phone with her talking to her about this anxiety that my daughter had been dealing with. And it was like my mother's heart was so overwhelmed. I mean, it was an intensity that I can't even fully explain to you. But as I was telling her about it, I was talking about how my husband, Tim, had dealt with anxiety as well. I mean, he was bound by it. He was the quarterback of the football team, and there were, he wouldn't go out after the game because of the fear that would grip him, the fear of being in groups of people. And actually, our pastor of the refuge, who will be here Wednesday night, was my husband's youth pastor. And he had a word one, one Sunday night about people being set free of anxiety disorder. And my husband was completely set free at the age of 19 that night. So I was telling Dawn about this on the phone. I was talking about this thing that's trying to overtake our house and my daughter. And while I'm talking to her, I see this thing flying down like the stairs. I'm not trying to be weird. I'm just telling you what happened. My husband's man cave is up there. You, you guys think that us, we ladies, want to know what happens in the man cave? We don't care. Anyway. That was my own little thing I needed to get off my chest. Um, or my husband's like, you can't come in here. I'm like, I don't want to come in here. Anyway. But this image, like this thing, it looked like a man, like this big muscular man. I thought it was my husband for a minute, but it was like flying down the stairs and it was dark and I was overcome with fear. Like literally I was like, <gasps> and she was like, what? And I couldn't even talk for several moments. That thing flew down the stairs towards my face and over my head and it disappeared. So when I could find my words, I tell her and she said, Terry, did it land? Prophetic people, I'm like, what does that even mean? Did it land? She's like, did it land? Did it rest? Did it sit somewhere? And I said, no. She said, good. And then she quoted this scripture. She said, a curse unfounded cannot land. That's what a light means. We've got to cancel the causeless curse because we've been, given it, we've been giving it a landing strip to hang out on. And tonight is the night. What is a curse? I'm just going to read some definitions to you. It's a malediction. It's the expression of a wish of evil to another. It's an imprecation of evil. It is a spoken condemnation or accusation. And that, if it's not founded, cannot land. The idea is that the curse itself carries the ability to fulfill itself. What is contained in those declarations, those things that kind of swarm over our lives, that they hold the power within themselves to fulfill themselves. That's what a curse is. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Be careful, little lips, what you say. Have you ever watched an atmosphere just change when someone was talking negatively or positively? It, it really is true. There is power. Those words that have been spoken over us, maybe by a teacher or a parent or just a little silly thing said in passing that we repeat in our minds over and over and over again. 
There's also those generational curses, these things that tend to be repeated in families. There's ministries that completely focus on the breaking of generational curses of things like alcoholism, other addictions like food and drugs, promiscuity, anger. And I began to ask the Lord, is this an accurate interpretation of Scripture? Can sins be passed from one generation to another and scripturally on one hand it seems like they can in exodus 34 deuteronomy 5 we learn the lord visits the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation in leviticus 26 because of their iniquity and also because of the iniquities of their fathers they shall rot away just like them but on the other hand it appears that Things aren't passed generationally. Ezekiel 18, verses 1 through 3, the word of the Lord came to me. What do you people mean by quoting this proverb about the land of Israel? Listen to the proverb. The parents eat sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, you will no longer quote this proverb in Israel. For everyone belongs to me. The parent as well as the child, both alike, belong to me. I hate that proverb. So the one who sins will die alone for their own sin. So I began to ask the Lord about this. How is it on one hand that it seems sins can be passed from generation to from one generation to another, and on the other, God is saying, I hate that proverb that says the sins of the fathers sets the children's teeth on edge. I hate that. May it not be said anymore. So which is it? How can they both be true? And I ask the Lord, what causes that curse to land from generation to generation? What causes it to find a landing strip? And this is what I heard the Lord say. Agreement. The power of agreement. When the enemy starts a song, we finish it. You know how this is played out. You're in a store and some old song comes on, right? A song that you used to uh, get your jive to, Sweet Home Alabama. I hope that's not your life song. <laughs> Lord, help us. For me, it's Chicago, anything by Chicago. The song starts, I'm singing it all day long, right? It drives you crazy. I don't want to keep singing this song. If it's a song that we don't agree with, if it's a hip-hop song, nothing against hip-hop, but I don't find agreement with hip-hop. I'm not going to sing that song all day. But if it's a song that I have had an agreement with, that I have a, a passion for, an enjoyment of, then I'm going to keep singing that song. The enemy starts the song and we sing it all day. And he's saying, you've got to break that agreement. He wants to ask you tonight, what are those things that you have held on to? You know what? I had another story, but we're going to move into ministry time. The band can go ahead and come. Aaron hasn't showed up off the street. All right. Man, I have a word for you, Aaron, and it's good. No. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe I will. I believe the Lord wants to minister. Do you guys have anything? Sort of. They will. So that means you do. All right. So be ready to come in a moment.
We want to glorify the Father, right? Who wants to glorify the Father? Amen. We've got to bear fruit that remains. And to do that, we've got to break the slave mentality. He's calling us to friendship. To do that, we've got to respond to his choosing. I feel the presence of God so strong right now. We've got to get out of the periphery. Jesus. And we have to cancel the causeless curse. So Jesus, I pray that you come. And I can feel the warfare in the name of Jesus. Lift up the heads of your people towards hope. Let there be light. That would be a great song for you guys to sing in just a moment. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. I know my brother here is already standing just out of hunger for the Lord. But I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. And I'm just going to do it the way I believe the Lord asked me to do it. And I'm going to, um, yeah, I'm just going to be honest. I'm going to have my eyes open because I feel like that's what the Lord's told me to do. But I'm going to ask everyone else to close their eyes, including the band, if you will do so. If you're in the periphery and you know death is creeping in through the window trying to snatch you and take your life, I'm gonna, and you want out, you want to move to the center of the room. You don't want to sit in the periphery asleep in the light. I'm telling you, there are addictions. There are things that the enemy has told you you'll never be free of. And I'm telling you, he's bringing light tonight. Everything in me wants us to go ahead and go to the song so that maybe... We, we can safely do this, but I've got to follow the Lord the way he gave it to me. If this, if this applies to you, let me tell you, I know who I am. I know every failure. I am who I am by the grace of God. And I can tell you in complete and utter honesty, there is no judgment here. If you're here and you know that you need to come out of the periphery, and there's something you need to bring to the light, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand wherever you are. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. You can put your hands back down. Wow, bold people, even keeping your hands up. Anyone else? That's me. I want to come out of the periphery to the center of the room. I am saying yes to the light. Come on, anyone else? I don't want to move on. To it, like there's been a beautiful response of many people but I, I just want to give you one more moment if your heart is beating in your chest it's the mercy of God don't deny him it's mercy that calls you is there anyone else yeah yes sir I see you I see you yes ma'am yes ma'am thank you Lord yeah yes sir I see you I see you Pastor Paul, I'm telling you, this is going to change everything. This will change everything. That thing where you feel like you're beating your head against the wall as the pastor, I'm telling you, the Lord is drawing near. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, the silence isn't weird. Just let him, just let him come near. Just let him love on you. Those thoughts rushing through your mind, I'm never really going to be free. I raise my hand. What's this even going to mean? No, you just say, Lord, mercy triumphs over judgment. Turn on the lights. God, whatever it costs, if I got to bring it to my spouse, if I need to bring it to my leaders, I want you. 
more than I want to protect the darkness with all that I have. It's not what you were made for. And the enemy has designed that attack through those windows, through our smartphones, through those computer screens. There's ladies here in an emotional affair because you've started to get worked up over what you think uh, true love looks like. And I'm telling you, it crept in that easy access through that window, cut it off. It's not what you were made for. The enemy is trying to bring you to a place of destruction that you'll never be able to recover from, but it is not too late. Come running to the mercy seat. It's what he deserves. Oh Lord God, have mercy on your church. It might be messy. Some of you might have to go to your pastors this week. I'm telling you, it is worth it. It is worth it. It is worth it. The enemy seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. The Bible says that if we confess our sins one to another, we will be healed. So, Lord, I thank you for the healing. I thank you for the confession through these raised hands. And it's the reason why I looked. I didn't even want to look. But you confess just in that point of contact. I don't know the details of it. And the Lord will tell you if you're supposed to bring it further. Some of you already know you're supposed to. Follow that voice. Your obedience could be the very thing that breaks open that window that lets the outpouring that you guys have been crying out for come. Move to the center of the room. Get out of the periphery. It's dangerous in the window. Lord, have your way. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, some of you are worships rising up in you right now. Just stand to your feet. Begin to worship him. Tell him he's good. Whether you raised your hand or you're just here, part of the congregation, let his sound, let the sound of your life be released right now. Come on, he's going to break curses. Some of you have come into agreement with things spoken over you. She's always going to be this. He's always going to do this. In the name of Jesus, you say no more landing strip. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I know it's already 8 o'clock. I know there's going to be a little bit more ministry. This is what we're going to do. We're going to press into God. We're going to let this worship team declare over us, let there be light. And you declare it over your life, perhaps with a belief for the first time that when he says, let there be light, light comes and life comes and death is no more. So we're going to press in. Your pastors, Aletha, these others, as they have things to minister to you tonight, we're going to bring it. It's not my authority to dismiss you, but if you want to press in further and hear what God's saying, the mysteries he wants to minister tonight, just hang out a few more minutes. I think it's going to be worth it. Thank you, Lord. When you speak, the darkness has to bow. Confusion has its final hour. When you speak, the mountains rise and fall. It tears down every wall around me. When you speak, you breathe upon the dust. You come alive in us. 
when you speak, you silence every fear. We feel your spirit here around us. Let there be light. Let there be light till it fills up every space. Come and have your way. Let there be.
Worshiping in the beginning when we were singing, this is how I fight my battles. Um, two amazing things happened. I'm very prophetically wired, just in case um, this sounds crazy to you. Just give me some grace. I'm a little prophetic. Um, I heard the sound while they were singing, this is how I fight my battles. I heard the sound of, I, I actually sat down and started writing it, uh, of a song being sung with them that sounded almost exactly the same, but it was about three octaves higher than what you guys were singing. And I knew it was heavenly, but I heard this is how they fight their battles. And I, I knew that the angels were watching the songs that were being proclaimed. This is how we fight our battles. And that, that worship that was coming out, the angels that were being commissioned to fight for you were there singing along with you, but they couldn't sing the same song because they weren't redeemed by the blood that you've been redeemed by. And so I wanna encourage you with that. And as soon as I heard that, I instantly heard the word, word curses. And I felt like the Lord wanted to break some word curses. And, and so just to get a little bit deeper into this thing, because I feel that Terry, spoke on it sufficiently, specifically word curses that were done in God's name, but were not God's words. And so one of the ones that I heard from the, from the Lord to say, I want this to stop. And I, and I actually don't disagree with this little phrase that we say, but I heard him so clearly and, and that there's a fear to get closer and to come into the center because new level, new devil. New level, new devil. And I remember hearing that when I was younger. And those moments when I was younger because of the calling that was on my life, the second I took one step towards Jesus, every demonic, and I'm talking about demonic attack, me in the night, night terrors, demonic dreams, uh, a, one step forward to Jesus meant that I would be suffering for weeks with demonic dreams. And so I felt this wall, this thing, new level, new devil. And the Lord says, new level, new devil, but I am the same God. I am the same God. And so I just want to tell you if there is some sort of uh, hesitancy, like, oh, I've tried. And every time I try to get closer to Jesus, all hell breaks loose. So I'm just going to stand where I am. I want you to know that the Lord says, I am the same God and that attack will not have the hold that it used to have before because that curse has been broken right now in Jesus' name. So if you felt any hesitation to come, come now. Same God, same righteous, holy, powerful God that the enemy can't even hold a candle to. In Jesus' name. The other thing that I heard was, um, truth spoken in fear and this was something done in the name of the Lord we, we, we speak the truth in love and it sets us free but things that were spoken to you that were truth they were biblical gospel truths but they were spoken in a spirit of fear and you don't 
understand why you struggle with fear. And I feel like the Lord is exposing it. It's because the truth was spoken to you in the spirit of fear. And he wants to set you free. And I'm talking about like, no, I lived a good life. I followed all the rules, but why am I still struggling with fear? That's why, and God wants to set you free. So respond, respond. And the last thing I saw an actual image of something and uh, I get these every now and then where it's an actual something that I'm going to ask you if this happened to you in the last two weeks, because if it did, it's, it's something by which the Lord wants to consecrate you by. There are examples of this in scripture. Uh, I see a pot falling over um, and, and it, it's meant to consecrate. Um, Saul losing his donkey. This is going to be the king, the one who lost his donkey. That's going to be a good king for Israel. Um, why did you only shoot three arrows? You should have shot them all. So an actual physical thing that I saw, I saw batteries dying. So if you had any device that, that in the past two weeks where your battery died, like it just wasn't working because the battery died, a car, a remote, any sort of battery that, that, that died on you in the past two weeks, if you don't mind just coming up because I feel like the Lord wants to consecrate you in this moment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I was only expecting like two people, so. Okay. Okay. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. All right. Thank you, Jesus. And I feel like the Lord wants to say to you that He's, first of all, that He loves you and He sees, um, He sees how you're trying. He sees how you're trying. But there's something about a battery. It's not meant to last forever. And what I'm seeing is the Lord is saying, the battery lasted you this long by my grace, by my grace. So whatever situation that you find yourself in or whatever you're about to go into, the battery can't take you any further. You have to plug in. You have to plug into the power source. You have to plug in. So if you're isolating yourself, you have to plug in. I heard the girl say, you gotta plug into the, to the community group. If you're not gonna, if you were thinking, no, no, that's not for me. I feel like it's for you, plug in, plug in. But not only that, the scripture that the Lord wanted me to share with this group of people is you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And I'm gonna pray over you guys and and we're gonna pray over you guys. And I believe that you're coming forward. There is a new level, new level, new devil, same God. You will receive the power of God when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The battle is no longer gonna be the same. You got this in Jesus' name. So we're gonna lay hands on you and if the band can uh, continue to sing, we're gonna pray over you. If, if there are any of you that have not been filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, have been baptized with the Holy Spirit, let us know. We're gonna pray and lead you into that. But for those of you that have been filled, I feel like the Lord wants to recharge. I see like a lightning bolt hitting a tree. And the Lord's saying, I saw Satan fall like lightning, but the tree is like electrified. I'm talking about this kind of power from the Holy Spirit that's gonna come, that when when anything touches you, electricity, they're gonna feel the power of the Lord. So we're gonna lay hands on you and pray. Thank you.
share this um, we're singing a lot about light tonight so let me tell you the word that God put on my heart and man this word about moving from the edge to the center that's strong that's a strong strong word and here's the two words that God put on my heart soul weariness okay now here's what that means John 1 Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. Let me tell you, if you're here, and, you're, and this is going to sound really like I'm beating you up, I'm not. I just want to make sure you get this. If you're here and you're so weary, we blame that on service. I've just been working hard for the Lord. But Jeremiah said that I have a fire shut up in my bones. And I'm not weary because I'm sharing it. I'm weary because I'm trying to keep it inside. When you, it's hard to be on the edge. It actually takes work to stay on the edge. You have to fight the urge to let the light out. And that will wear your soul out. You find freedom when you finally say, I can't do this anymore, God. Have your way. And it's funny, when we started this, the whole service tonight, y'all started singing the first song. And the first thing out of my mouth to the Lord was, this is yours. Have your way have your way. I'm not going to fight what he wants to. Not that we're fighting it. You get weary fighting to keep it in. Jeremiah said, I'm fighting to keep it in. I can't do that anymore. I just got to let it out. And so if you're here, these are just cues so you can kind of look at yourself and see like, is this word for me tonight? If you're here and your soul is weary, that's a sign. There's a light inside of you that's been placed there that God wants to bust out of you. Let's not keep it, let's not fight to keep that in anymore, right? And they're not done singing, I know that. There's more in them, there's more in you. Man, respond to that. Respond to that as we sing. And however you do that, right? However you do that, respond. I'm not gonna hold it in anymore. The light shines in darkness. You don't have to do anything for light to overtake darkness except just let it shine, right? Just let it shine.
your feet drink from the cup in your hand lay back against you and breathe feel your heart beat and this love is so deep it's more than i can stand i'm melting your peace it's overwhelming
so I have a song and it's for those of us who are shattered because I know I know what it feels like to be shattered I know what it feels like to be broken and God's mending that God's mending that so Just let me sing this over you. Cause shattered is broken and fear is afraid of you. And binds you have bound, no more waiting cause weights are loosed. Is defeated and darkness cannot shine through. Defined by your definite love, cause you found me. Throned on your throne with your light, you have crowned me. Shattered is broken and fear is afraid of you And binds you have bound no more waiting cause weights are loosed And defeat is defeated and darkness cannot shine through Defined by your definite love cause you found me You have crowned me with your light And shattered is broken and fear is afraid of you And binds you have bound, no more waiting cause weights are loosed And defeat is defeated and darkness cannot shine Definitely love cause you found me You thrones on the throne With your light you have crowned me With your light you have crowned me With your light you have crowned me And shattered is broken and fear is afraid of you Blind you have found no more waiting Cause weights are loosed is defeated and darkness cannot shine through. by your definite love, cause you found me and thrones on your throne with your light, you have crowned me. With your light, you have crowned me. With your light, you have crowned me. Shattered is broken and fear is afraid of you And binds you with bound, no more waiting cause weights are loosed Defeat is defeated and darkness cannot shine through Defined by your definite love cause you found me 
enthroned on your throne with your light you've crowned me with your light you've crowned me with your light you have crowned me your light you have crowned me and I am royalty I am royalty cause with your light with your light you have crowned me and defeat is defeated defeat is defeated defeat is defeated So words that are weird that we've heard before and we shy away from because we don't know what to do with them. So if you're really, really, these are like words that mean you're really charismatic. If you've heard rhema word and it makes you go, sweet, you're really charismatic, right? If you hear a rhema word and you're like, what kind of word? Here's, we, people make things so, so hard. They don't have to be hard. A rhema word is God's word always been God's word it always lines up with scripture but it's God's word for you right now that was God's word for you to Megan sitting over there it's in the song she heard it's a song she heard from heaven over there to sing over you right now because some of you this is your rhema word death I, I'm totally messing you up defeat is defeated right I mean, that's an identity statement. I'll never win. That's defeated. I mean, if you're here today and you're sitting there going, that was a great service, but probably won't work. That was for you, through her to you. That's how the gifts of the Spirit work. I, mean, I, I feel like this is like a huge dividing line in our church, right? Like we're either going to believe that God wants to speak to us like that or we're not. And I'm telling you, he just spoke through this vessel to you. And if it's for you, if that song's for you, she's going to sing it again because you might now, now you might listen to the words more, right? Um, I don't know if we can even get it up there, but we'll figure it out some way. I want you to hear it and you sing this with confidence. All right? Because you're proclaiming the, the word of God over a situation and two people, right? So you sing this with confidence. I want you to hear these words. And if it's for you, you don't have to come up here. But you better respond. This is a great way to receive a word from God, right? This is a great way to receive, right? Just, here I am. Just lay it on me, okay? So as she sings, man, if you're hearing these words and they resonate with you, don't stay, like, don't. It's a pretty good song. It's a rhema song. Like, it's for you. So just respond. And however you want to do that, thank you, God, it's for me, right? All right, here. I just, you know, I can't respond sitting. Some people can. It's good. It's all good. But like however you respond, receive this, sing it. Oh, you got a mic. Go. Shattered is broken and fear is afraid of you. 
And binds you have bound No more waiting cause weights are loosed Defeat is defeated in darkness cannot shine through Defined by a definite love cause you found me On your throne with your light, you have crowned me. You have crowned me. Shattered is broken, and fear is afraid of you. Bind you with bound, no more waiting, cause weights are loosed. Defeat is defeated, and darkness cannot shine through. Definitely love, cause you found me. Thrones on your throne with your light, you have crowned me. Shattered is broken, and fear is afraid of you. Binds you about no more waiting, cause weights are. Cause you found me Throned on your throne with your light You have crowned me Defined by your definite love Cause you found me You found me Shattered is broken fear is afraid Are loosed. Defeat 
light is defeated and darkness cannot shine through Defined by your definite love cause you found me Enthroned on your throne with your light you have crowned me Defined by your definite love cause you found me Throned on your throne with your light, you have crowned me. How many of you sense the Lord speaking to you just through that? Oh my goodness. What kind of night has tonight been? Like on a scale of 1 to 10, what would you give tonight? 20? I heard 20. I'm, I was like in triple digits already. Um, so for me, this is one of those nights where we, we just can't like just say, bless you, adios, right? Like I just need to celebrate a little bit. Can we just celebrate a li- just a little I know you're nervous because it means I might dance and I'm white and I have no, ri- I get it, I get it. But you're going to be busy celebrating. You're not going to pay attention to me. So like I asked the band if they would just send us out with one of my absolute favorite songs. I, we started the service with it. I love the song Glorious Day. There's so much powerful imagery in this. He is calling us out of the graves that we've been in. We're stepping into the light and you're going to have to use these fingers and hands that you have, right? You might find yourself doing a little dancing, I don't know, but don't let them sing this alone. You overpower them, and we'll just kind of head out with this song. Hey, here's what uh, Peter tells us, 1 Peter 1. It says, Rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory for the outcome of your faith is the salvation of your soul. So sing one more with us tonight. You ready? I was buried beneath my shame Who couldn't carry that kind away It was my tomb Till I met I was breathing I was breathing but now When all my failures I try to hide It was my tomb Till I met you You called my name And I ran out of that grave Out of the darkness Day. You call my name and 
Before I send you out of here and play you out of here, let me tell you this. Um, it actually does cost us stuff to do, money to do stuff like this. And we gladly pay whatever it takes, right? Like we flew you in all the way from Concord. It was amazing. Amazing. But listen, we do that. We don't, we don't, you know, we don't take offerings up here. We just have boxes at the back. And here's what we believe. I say this with all sincerity. I'm not, me, I'm not being sarcastic or anything like that. I really believe this. Religion has to pass a plate to remind you to give a dollar. But grace in our heart, the Bible says we will give lavishly to the Lord. And so if you want to help us, you want to partner with us in all that we're doing, you know, bringing speakers in and serving, feeding the servant leaders, all that stuff. You want to partner with us in that? By all means, man, drop a check, cash, winning lottery ticket, whatever. You know, back in the back, we'll take it all, right? 
Um, and you don't have to do that at all. But man, if you want to partner with us and sense the Lord's blessing in that, by all means. I'm going to pray over you. And uh, y'all can just come mug these ladies whenever I say amen and tell them how much you've appreciated them being with us. Because like you're gone. I mean, I just leaned over. I said, I can bump the other speakers. I can do it. I can say, hey, I'm sorry. We don't need you. She's going to come back. Man, have you just loved Pastor Terry and her team being with us? Goodness gracious. So good. I mean, that's exactly how you told me to say it, wasn't it? Okay, good. I'm messing. I mean, she's so good and she's so so humble. And I've got this, like, every time you preach, I find myself, this, I say this all the time, I'm like, ouch, yes. That's, so I don't know, like, that might be the thing. Like, that. So you say truth and it's just, oh, but then, man, it's so good. And you guys stepped into something divine tonight. I mean, we, you know, a lot of us have been in church a lot over our lives. But I was just sitting there on the front row. And it's like, again, like the Holy Spirit attaches to songs. But he attached himself. I mean, the whole message was great. But, man, we're talking about moving in from the periphery. Come on, y'all. I mean, this city needs people to step into the middle and say, I'm all in. We talk about all in all the time because I think some of us are still wrestling about being all in. Like, I think whenever we stop saying it, it's because we've moved all in. So I just love that the Spirit put that on your, on your heart. Thanks for being obedient. So, Father, uh, thanks for, for just for tonight. What an amazing time in your presence. We, we want to say it again, God. We don't deserve any of this. It's your grace. You've lavished it on us. And we're not going to hang our heads and be like, oh, shucks, God, you shouldn't have. Because we know you shouldn't have, but we're so glad you did. We're walking out of here with our heads up. Our shoulders are back. Our chests are out. We are ready to carry the light into the darkness. We're running to the darkest places. So the light will shine the brightest, God. We pray you bless Pastor Terry and these ladies that have come with her, God. Thank you for the time that they've invested in us. Thank you for brothers and sisters in the kingdom who aren't just thinking about themselves and their church. God, I know that everybody kind of loves their own churches, but you love the church. And we love the church. And we just speak blessing over Pastor Terry, over her ministry, God. I pray that as she writes on her blog, man, you would just give her insight. And, and it would just bless so many people. I pray over the refuge, God. They've been such a good friend to us. We just pray blessings over them and over their church. The amazing vision that you've given them to reach a region, a nation, a world. Pray that you would give them strategic networking partnerships. God, cross their paths with people that can take them as well to new levels where they'll meet the same God. We pray all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.